This is the soundtrack series. Yeah, this is the soundtrack series. I'm Dana Rossi. Today on the show, I talk to Jenny Harder, musician, vaudevillian, who just got back from touring with Gogol Bordello. So we talk about touring with Gogol and what it's like to join a band you're already a fan of. Just over two years ago, like two and a half years ago, I went and toured Europe with this highly political um, punk band uh, from New York. They knew... Gogol, they kind of were like started in the same LES area. They both hung around Mehenada. Eugene did, like he did like crazy DJ nights there. Like everybody kind of knows everybody in the scene. And um, I knew the original horn player in Outer National, which is the political band. Oh, okay. And I knew, um, and I had played with them like in, at rallies and like book signings and stuff for their, for their political party. And I was just a fan of their music. Like if you can imagine The Clash with their dub undertones, mariachi overtones and a funk beat. That's rad. Yeah. And they were talking about no borders and the world is one. Everybody is illegal. They had a big song called Todos Somos Ilegales. It was just so freaking cool. And I was a fan. That yeah. kind of happens with me. I'm always a fan of the band. And this has happened like five or six times. And then I just end up joining them. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we all do that. Yeah. I really love Fleetwood Mac. So <laughs> Well, you know, they're always getting back together for something. Yeah. And they're and <laughs> They're also old, so eventually yeah. somebody's going to age out. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but so, anyway, so, so yeah. So anyway, so these guys, they were signed to Warner Brothers at one point, and they, like, and uh, Tom Morello was their producer, and then oh. their drummer is Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Excellent music. I'm talking just, like, life-changing people, like, gonna join the revolution kind of music. So, but they tour nonstop. Yeah. You know, because they really are about the message and they're touring and touring and eventually their horn player was like, you know, guys, a family member needs me in Staten Island and I kind of just need to chill. And then they were like, who's that girl that we played with? Because we have this whole European tour and no horn player. <laughs> <laughs> so they reached out to me and I was like, are you kidding me? I want to go to Europe. I want to tour. It was rough because they weren't on like they had gotten dropped from the label they didn't have another one they didn't have a lot of money behind them and of course like chad and tom weren't touring with them you know yeah. they had they had other people touring so it was like a rough kind of thing it was sleeping above the crust punk clubs it was um driving across all of germany in like a 12 person van with all of our gear that's what kind of yeah. tour it was and it was it was beautiful countryside, and it was a beautiful time to skip the nasty weather in New York City. Nice. And I got some experiences out of it. I got to hang out with Manu Chow. I got to dance backstage with Bob Geldof. Oh I my got God. To, right? Bob Geldof dances? <laughs> oh, very awkwardly. It's so cute. It's, he's just like my dad. <laughs> Even looks like my dad. Um, but, you know, there were those experiences, and then there were also the low experiences of, oh, my God, I am tired. Or, oh, my God, how come we have to go and traverse all of Europe again because of the scheduling? And it was just kind of, like, rough. Yeah. But in Czech Republic, we did a festival and they were like hey let's go hang out with Gogol 
they hadn't seen him in a while. They had opened up for them in New York, like at Irving Plaza and a couple of other dates. Uh, yeah, so they were just, we just hung out, mm-hmm. met everybody, loved them, and I saw their show backstage. I was basically standing on stage watching their sh- their show, and I thought, whoa, like this is life. You know, this is this yeah. energy. It's what I want to do. And I was not long for Outer National because uh, at that time, Gogol had their latest, uh, their last album came out that summer, mm-hmm. which is Pura Vida Conspiracy, which is a great album. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, why don't you guys open for us starting in like Columbus, Ohio and going west? And the guys in Outer National said no, partly due to money, partly due to like how we're going to get from the north of France to Ohio and where's our van and where's our insurance. And partly they're really about their message. And I was like, oh, my God. And touring with Gogol would have diminished that somehow? I mean, yeah, they, you know, I think they're just on a different wavelength, less about partying and like dancing and having a good time and more about social injustice and change and let's not party afterwards let's talk i don't know i just didn't fit in it's not like i had like a courtney love meltdown like fuck you guys but (laughs) it it was more like i don't fit in and the whole lifestyle of like constantly touring and having no home base is rough that's rough Little did I know that everybody in Gogol was thinking about having two dancers again, because at that point, it was just Elizabeth dancing, and Mm -hmm. um, the original dancer, Pamela, had left, I guess, like five years earlier. And so they were thinking, gee, maybe two girls would be good again, you know? You could do all that cool choreography. They've been thinking about it. It's 10 years since Gypsy Punks came out. Let's do a 10-year reunion, get the original drummer back in. You know, get the original dancer, get another dancer, like, do the same choreo, find the same costumes. (laughs) <laughs> like oh wow let's, let's get the re- let's get the crew back on the road and see if it would be a little bit of fun so that's kind of what happened one night i guess maybe three weeks before the tour started i <laughs> i got into bed because it was late <laughs> and the phone rings and it was a number that i think had called me the day before but i didn't pick up because it was because yeah you never know anymore right <laughs> so I, I'm like, what? Like, hi. And he said, hey, hello, this is Eugene from Gogol Bordello. How, how, how are you? And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is, no. And, you know, he would just be like, yeah, yeah, so what's up? And I'm like, wait, no, like, I can't even get over. <laughs> no, you're like, nope, we're not past it yet. <laughs> I still don't think this is you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like, I kind of stopped enough times that he was kind of like yeah can we just get past it now like do you want to skype instead and i said no i have to get out of bed and put clothes on i don't want to skype so let me just (laughs) fine no i believe you i'm don't make me move yeah Yeah. i was like in sleep mode so so he so i was like okay i'm just gonna pretend that you are who you are (laughs) say you are and then i was thinking like how why is he calling me he basically was like hey it's been a while haven't seen you since the czech republic but I really liked the character you had. I really remember the character you had on stage. Yeah. I remember what you were wearing. You were wearing these big fake glasses and little red shorts. And I was like, yep, that's my character. I do. I played that character. Yeah. <laughs> like spunky, nerdy, kind of badass punk, but like definitely nerdy kind of thing. Right. Um, it's just a comfortable character to do if mm-hmm. you're a little bit out of your element and you're playing, you know, political punk with a tambourine.
So, yeah, the long and the short of it was he said, well, we don't have all of the contracts sorted out yet, so hang on to your hat, but it's probably going to happen. We got maybe two and a half weeks. Let's let's get you in touch with the other dancer. And um, we had a couple of sessions in Brooklyn in their studio. I was thinking about it the other day, a total of maybe five times through each song before we, you know, friggin' opened up for Wu-Tang in Austin. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. And then was that in Austin where you were, was, was Peaches on that bill too? Peaches was on that bill, but she was the night before. I think she did the Fun Fun Festival the night yeah, before. Yeah, okay. Because that's right. It was Fun Fun Fest yeah. at that time. Oh, and it was fun. What a great time. They really know what they're doing down there. You got them all by the balls, causing waterfalls, stone walls, bar brawls, climbing stalls, a concert halls. To you they crawl, body sprawls, sloping palm malls, close calls. We were rehearsing eight hours a day mm-hmm. at one point for just two days. Which is funny that we only went through five times each song because he was really intent on getting like the transitions done and was more focused on the music than about like the dancers. And we were oh. on maybe half the songs, maybe a little bit less than half the songs. And then are you are you being choreographed by someone or by the dancer yeah. that was already there? Yeah. Okay. But, but did you contribute no. anything though? Oh, I wasn't. Okay, no. I wasn't. Kind of, I really oh, that's right. Because allowed. they're really doing mm-hmm. what it was they had done fifteen years ago. So it's like at the same time though they were definitely doing it safer. Like Eugene was like, "Hey, I threw my hip out at I one know. point." <laughs> You know, we're really, these days we don't just flail around on stage. In fact, Boris, the guitar player, yeah. broke his ankle in Las Vegas flailing around. And then he, for the last show in, in no, in Los Angeles. And then in Vegas, he had to sit down. Like a Dave Grohl, like when he played That's with exactly his exactly what yeah. it was. It was so cute. He would be like, because inst- instead of charging to the front of the stage and like, you know, jumping around like everybody in the band does, yeah. he kind of hopped up to the stage. Oh, no. Sat down on a riser and then, like, you know, <laughs> hopped back I to know. his chair. <laughs> Sergey, who's the uh, violin player, yeah, he may be the eldest, but my God, his spirit is young. He yeah. is, I mean, he's a renowned theater director from St. Petersburg, I think. Uh-huh. And he's like, a, he has that childlike quality, the twinkle in the eye. Yeah. It is so lovely. And so he would often give me notes. He actually took me aside and he said, and he has a very thick accent. I don't even know if I can do it, but he was just saying basically Jenkins. And he called me Jenkins. <laughs> Jenkins. <laughs> Mr. Jenkins, you need to be bad. He said, you need to be bad, like cigarette smoking bad. And I thought, hmm, why don't I just be the character of Sally that they're singing about in this album? Why, am, yeah. why can't I be the, because it, that's how it's, the album starts out. Sa- Sally was a 15-year-old girl from Nebraska. And I'm like, well, I once was a 15-year-old girl in Michigan. And yeah. the whole story is how she you know, joins the gypsies and goes off. And I'm thinking, wow, I can just play Sally Gone Bad. Sally was a 15-year-old girl from Nebraska Gypsies were passing through her little town We went all the way from Austin, then to Dallas, and then... All the mm-hmm. way from Austin to Dallas! And then to Tulsa and St. Louis. I loved St. Louis. I was just in oh, St. Louis. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I would live here. I loved it, too. It was... E- well... It was kind of rougher than New York in some ways because um, the people harassing you on the street are very firm about it. Well, what's a day like? So you get into a city and then, you know, what oh, happens? They have like- it down to a science. Okay. They have been doing this so long and they're on such a level that it is 
I, it's not just comfortable, but I can thrive. Like they had two huge tour buses. I was on the purple one. Right. <laughs> Everybody gets their own bed. Everybody gets their own TV in their little cubby bed. There are showers and kitchens and refrigerators and oh, like wow. two lounge areas and uh, temperature control. And it's just, it's lovely. Like you have your own little. You I've know. never been on a tour bus, but mm. never even thought about. Yeah, the inner workings of a tour bus. And they timed it in such a way that, like, you'd get off stage, you'd, you know, you'd hang out, you'd do your after-show rituals, and you would have bus call at, like, 2, anywhere between 2 and 4 a.m. And then the bus starts heading out around 3.30 in the morning. And then, you, you know, you can go to sleep, and you wake up in the next stop when it's time to load in again. Never did I have to sit on the bus upright when it was moving. I was always asleep. That's cool then. It was wonderful. And so you'd pull into town, let's say we pulled into Winnipeg at like um, 11 in the morning. You know, you kind of like wake up, make yourself some coffee. Usually at noon, there was load in. And for me, it was such a strenuous show that I really couldn't move very well without doing a whole hour of yoga every day in the morning. Yeah. I mean, like I couldn't feel my hands for three days because of the symbols. I almost pulled my shoulder out of its joint. Um, I lost. I think like, I recently did, by yeah. the way. And not doing anything nearly as creative and colorful as you're doing. That's excruciating, isn't yeah. it? That feeling of like, oh, I have to be careful. I almost lost my voice, which was bad because I have to scream on stage. Like right. I had to scream on cue. I was like, oh crap. I wonder if I can still scream. Oh no. I almost like I, I had to do like a lot of meditation to just kind of stay strong and focused. And it was woo. So I would like go in with the crew when they started loading in, find the dressing room do an hour of, of yoga. And then they, they had a rider. It was a very healthy rider. So there was always like organic almond butter and what have you to, oh, wow. <laughs> to have breakfast. And, and always, and this is the funny thing, always really nice olive oil. Like hmm. Eugene would come off stage and just take pulls of olive oil straight, straight out of the bottle. Why? Because he's healthy for you. Jenkins. This shit is healthy. <laughs> Jenkins, this is healthy. I know I know Eugene wasn't saying that. You were calling you Jenkins. He but... called me Jansky. Hey. Okay. Hey. Oh yo, yo, Jansky. <laughs> That's not what I'll add. Think law, Khalid. Hey, Palamande. Fuck law, Palid. So the costumes... I was replacing a very petite Chinese woman, so yeah. I obviously wasn't really going to wear her costumes. They asked me, you know, before I even showed up to rehearsal, what size are you? And I was like, well, I'm I'm a size six, and that's not going to ever change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tall, and um, yeah, this is not, you know, I'm, I am definitely this, this body type and I'm not like a dancer body type. And so what I ended up wearing in the beginning was Eugene's clothes, which again, not the same body type. <laughs> like, <laughs> I kid you not. And like, I ripped his pants up the back because I got some booty. We had to get those like stitched up. <laughs> nice. Um, so it was like, like a work in progress. We knew we wanted to use like the high end Rachel Comey jacket, which was very like emblematic of like hands on you constricted kind of thing. Yeah. But we didn't know where yet. So we didn't wear it until maybe halfway through the tour. We just kind of a lot of the clothing was from Trash and Vaudeville. On oh, St. yeah. Mark's. Yeah. It was the trip. Um, I think it's Trip, T-R-I-P-P, N-Y-C, is the brand that, that comes out of that store. Yeah. Yeah. 
that sounds familiar because I go in there. Like even I would go in there sometimes and just get like, you know, that's where I got my Susie and the Banshees T-shirt mm-hmm. and like I'm sure a Bowie T-shirt at some point. But like I'll go in there and just get like T-shirts. That's all I'm brave enough for. It's just oh, yeah. like, yep, this T-shirt. And then I know and then I go in the back and I look mm-hmm. at the boots. Um, yes. Yeah, no, I that's where I went that's... when I first saw Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. And I needed to get, you know, dressed up. So a lot of the, the costumes were from there. Um, they are multiculti inspired, obviously, like you've got Roma influences, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of Adidas type soccer influences, because that's very European. Wow. You know, it's very traveler. It's very, I guess you could say, you know, immigrant. You know, there's that joke, people in Russia are born with a tracksuit on. So... <laughs> Which I have not heard, but still think is funny. (laughs) And, you know, when I went into the vaults, it was just all these cool things, all these hats, all of these, um, all these jackets, all these zippered things with all these patches and like USSR paraphernalia that I carried around in my suitcase the entire time, but never wore because you just never knew if maybe one night, you know, actually yeah. one night in Canada, Eugene took me aside and said, what about that costume that I met you when you were, you were wearing when I met you? The I, red shorts. Yeah. And, the, yeah. and I said, well, I packed it if you want me to, <laughs> if you want me to bust it out. And I did. And. It was collaborative in that way. What are those crowds like? Hmm. They are intense and they're full of love. I think that there was only one time where there was like one person in the front row that was demanding of my attention, like, hey, look at me. And you know, he wanted to sing the lyrics to my face. But other than that, it was just people so happy to be there. Yeah. Women were taking their shirts off and men, like grown men were crying. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was sweating. Everybody was just loving life. Because when you see a live act like this who gives so much energy out, right. you can't help but just... But join into that energy. Because that was, well, that was the next part of my question was like, because I can't stand it anymore. I think we went to see, well, no, maybe it wasn't for this one. Because we went to see They Might Be Giants like back in February. Mm-hmm. But like that that one wasn't so much because it was like people who were older anyway. But to go to shows anymore and all you ever hear is like, all it is is a sea of phones and everybody recording it on their phones. Not in the moment but wanting to just capture the moment and for what like and you won't not the way it would be if you just lived it and then it just lived on up here this was dancing this was this was these are people wanted to sweat and they wanted to like feel the music hit them you know i i don't even remember anybody with their phone out except maybe during the encore maybe once or twice but usually it was like hands in the air just in case somebody would fall. Like, actually, Pedro did fall off stage once and they had to catch him. And and after a while, Pam and Eugene did venture out on the bass drum in the audience. Yeah. Um, like they used to do. And people, were, people wanted it. I actually felt like in most venues, they couldn't even get to us because of the barricades. Yeah. I didn't like that so much. I kind of wanted them closer. I was just going to say, like, yeah. did anybody try to oh, oh, yeah. get to you, get up there, grab at you? Yeah. Like yeah. half the shows, people actually made it on the stage and jumped off and did crowd surfing. Yeah. One woman was so drunk, she actually got up and and she was like, woo! And, and people in the band were like, okay, cool. And then she's like, no, I want to take a selfie with you. And she went to Eugene See, and like, take it. And I was like, that. Oh, come on. <laughs> but only once did that happen. <laughs> Good. You're recreating something from 15 years ago in a way. And 
how much it maybe got to be like it was 15 years ago when everybody didn't have their phones out and everybody wasn't into this little machine that like, you know, okay, I'm going to record this moment and then I'm going to talk about it right now instead of being looking up and being there. But it sounds like everybody was present and it's almost like getting to know what it was like to be on stage back 15 years ago or 25 years ago or whatever else. Like, hey, remember that? I believe it. Oh my God, it keeps you dancing. These crowds were shaking the floor. Um, In Portland, the floor was actually a sprung floor. Yeah, oh my God. (laughs) But like in Brooklyn Bowl, Vegas, I read a review saying they were shaking the floor. This is the first time I've ever felt that uh, that dance floor like move. Was it ever too much to look at the crowd and all of that energy coming back at you that you have to look up or you have to focus somewhere else or else you're gonna lose whatever it is, you're you're gonna lose your focus, you're gonna lose what you're... I was never gonna lose focus and that had nothing to do with it, but I was tired, especially toward the end. I was really exhausted. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in the band were, um, which leads to injuries like Boris, you know, breaking his his foot and ankle. I never felt like I was gonna like lose focus except right before I would run on. And I'm thinking, okay, gotta do it again. Where are my symbols? Where's my washboard? (laughs) 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 It's so funny because um, Eugene got, he he got in the habit of calling me Lady Vaudeville every night during the the curtain call when we took our bows. And I do a lot of vaudeville. I mean, people have been asking me, oh, you know, how was the experience? And I like to say, if I got my bachelor's degree from NYU, then I got... Then I produced my own vaudeville act for two and a half years, and I consider that to be my master's. Now, I just wrote a fucking dissertation. Like, I have a doctorate now in performance, I feel like. Oh, I'm sure you do. Every stage was different every night, Mm -hmm. much like the vaudeville circuit was. You have to figure out really quick, you know, your entrances and exits, your quick costume changes. Spacing. Just the most, the simplest thing. I would have to run out with different props and time it in such a way and time it off someone else's solo to have a desired effect. It was it was challenging and I feel like my psyche and my emotions and parts of my body are made of steel now. That's what I feel. Yeah. Like if somebody said, great, now your next job you have to um, swim through this lake of fire. I'd be like, no problem. Got it. Yeah. Does it come with health insurance? Can I have a taste of your ice cream? Can I lift the crumbs from your table? Can I interfere in your crisis? No, mind your own. Did you at some point join the Grand Theft Orchestra? Grand Theft? Well, Amanda Palmer's. Because I thought, um, did you play in Central Park oh, with her? Yeah, that's Lincoln what I was Center. thinking of. Yeah, okay, Lincoln Center. Lincoln Center out of doors um, because there was a steampunk festival. It was her. She didn't have Grand Theft Orchestra. It was her and Jareth and Thor. Okay. And um, both really cool guys. And I dig them a lot. And um, it was right when I got back from Europe in 2013. Gemini and Scorpio produced um, a steampunk night. They needed a brass element. And so we were able to do that. And then Amanda Palmer said, well, hey, by the way, since you guys are going to be there, open it up for me. Do you want to do this number with? with me, which was Leeds United. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that night was fun. Jared 
joining bands mm. that already exist, that have a following, that have a dynamic, that it's like, and to the point where, you know, like improv groups, <laughs> last time I'll ever compare anything to that, because <laughs> now this podcast got a lot less cool, um, <laughs> how they have to perform together for a long time before they're really good because then they have, you know, gelled and they know what each other is going to do. I mean, and in the same way, you know, bands like this, it's just kind of like you become one kind of musical unit doing whatever it is you're doing. Yep. And what is that like to come into that kind of core as an outsider? I was just starting to hit my stride when the tour ended. To be oh. perfectly honest, and because it was like that, I was so scared of screwing up. I didn't, I didn't feel like I could let go and have fun. Um, I was constantly, you know, vigilant and um, and just hyper, hyper ready. And like some, like I remember T Tommy, the bass player, coming up to me saying, "You seem different from when we first met." And I said, "Yeah, well, I'm not myself right now. Yeah, I'm." I want to do good, you know, and that's and not until I actually felt comfortable around everybody on and off stage yeah. that I actually have a lot of fun. You know, I think Los Angeles was my best show and I had the most fun that show. Um, not just because awesome people are in the audience, woo, but uh, <laughs> I was literally having more fun. I was looser. Yeah. I was I brought more of my own personality to the moves. I, I have to say it was intimidating coming into a unit like that. Yeah. But even just personally, you know, having to be on buses with people who have done this for years and years, you know, before you, just what is that like coming into that kind of situation where it's just people with an already established dynamic and they have history and you are, hi, <laughs> new person. Yeah. And it's funny also because there has been, um, what they, um, some of the, one of the managers actually thought, uh, considers it to be growing pains inside this particular group because, you know, the original accordionist swapped out three years back. Um, it's not the original drummer. Like they've switched drummers three times and it's also not the original guitarist. There was some internal strife that happened last year with that and just different personalities. I think that it was already a semi-fractured kind of beast going into it. And yeah. I think that people were considerate of that. I think that people knew what I was going through because they had themselves. Like Pasha, the accordionist, was just thinking like, well, you know, like I was I was having a rough day because of something. I think it was because Vice was doing some kind of like, <laughs> you know, day in the life behind the scenes music of us in Portland. Oh. And I, and I didn't know. I was like, am I going to be interviewed? Should I stick around? Should I just do my own thing? Like, what should I do? Do I have to, am I going to be ignored? Am I going to, like what? And he said, you know, if nobody tells you anything, then it's not your concern. So yeah. don't be concerned. <laughs> <laughs> do something or don't do something until someone tells you otherwise. That, with my personality type, is rough because I always want to know what's going on. Me too. So I won't be wrong. So I'll do a good job. Me you too. Know? <laughs> it's weird. We went to this uh, haunted house slash hayride slash field awesome. on Halloween. Like out in Pennsylvania, like middle of nowhere. And I realized, like, you can learn a lot about just yourself, your personality, and your fears generally by taking yourself through things like haunted houses. I realized that I'm the worst when I have to go in situations where I don't know what's around this corner or they shut all the lights and you have to like feel through. Like if I'm not aware of what is right in front of me, that's that's when I'm the most afraid. And so I completely understand that. Yeah, that was something I had to deal with because there's just going to be times when 
you know, they just don't tell you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and even if you ask, you might mm-hmm. not get an answer. part is one song you just kind of tell a quick story that you always associate with a particular song i guess in the year 2009 it must have been it mm-hmm. was i lived in at the time i lived in park slope right by prospect park beautiful mm-hmm. um like old buildings and i lived there with my boyfriend and we had been there since 2005 i guess or maybe the end of 2004 mm-hmm. a while and um it was the first spring day i remember the daffodils were out and i love daffodils it was just gorgeous and i'm one of those girlfriends who's always like let's take a walk yeah <laughs> like just to walk and i think the onion even parodied that like local woman <laughs> wants to take aimless walk <laughs> and he would always say no but this particular day he was dressed really nice mm-hmm. he was dressed nice and he was standing up straight and he was really in- interested in me and the weather and oh let's take a walk he says oh my god yeah you have to say yes to that so um we go out and we were just like half a block from the park and i get a weird weird vibe off of him just weird like he's too happy or something something is up and um so he says oh isn't this a lovely place to sit let's sit i said no 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 no. let's stand oh okay and so we walk a little further he says this is a lovely place to stand. Let's stand. I'm like, no, I think we should just keep oh, walking. Oh, no. And um, he kind of just, you know, finally, like, takes me and stops me and mm-hmm. puts his arms around me and said, oh, well, we've been together for a long time. And at that moment, when he reaches into his pocket, this song that I often listen on repeat to, it just started playing in my head. It's an obscure Canadian punk band called Miko, there's a lyric that was just repeating over and over. This is so real, it hurts to breathe. This is so real, it hurts to breathe. Mm-hmm. And I could, I started hyperventilating and then I ran. I started running. I was running from him and he was chasing me. And I ran for like a half an hour around the park, just like at least 20 minutes. I mean, he was, I mean, he was getting like, oh, I had to take a sweater off. It was such a nice day and I thought, this is what you want. This is what you have to do. You're, you're entering your late twenties. You're not. You're. You know. You're gonna be thirty soon, and this is what you do. He's gonna ask again if you don't say yes now. Right. <laughs> Eventually, you have to stop running. Eventually, you have to stop running. His allergies were kicking in, and he was like blowing his nose and uh, just leaking, and I was uh, wheezing, and just um, he had to sit down, and so under a pine tree, because I was like, we have to do it somewhere I like, and I love pine trees, and just. Was just a mess, and then he reached into his pocket, and I was like, oh. and he pulled out a Kleenex to blow his nose, and I was like, oh. And he finally put this ring on me, and I was like, okay, okay, this is happening. This is what we do. Got married. Uh, it lasted six months. This is so real, it hurts to breathe. Jenny Harder, Jenski, Jenkins, Jenkins. <laughs> Lady Vaudeville. Wow. And then, of course, of course, I have to say, my old uh, my old nickname, Blonde Thunder. And Blonde Thunder. <laughs> Take your pick. Whichever one. <laughs> They're all good. I just gave you all just all solid names right there. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. 
My pleasure. This was awesome. This has been the Soundtrack Series. Thanks for listening. 